Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Camp Wire. Uh, my name is John Beitner. I'm going to be talking with Ian Garner from Markel and Katie Johnson from Redwoods today about safety training um, at camp, ongoing training for those midsummer uh, moments, um, and what's going on in camps. What's what's uh, what's happening that has our insurance uh, providers um, alert. Um, so. Uh, it's been my pleasure to work with Ian and Katie in the past um, on camp conferences, um, and we really appreciate the support that Markel's given as a mission partner and that Redwoods has given in our research work. Um, so two finer resources um, in safety training can't be found as far as I'm concerned. Um, again, my name is John Beitner. I am the professional development manager for the Western region of the ACA. I work on the conferences and educational events out west, but I've had the pleasure of doing the same thing in the east, where uh, Ian and Katie have participated in many conferences as presenters uh, and just given us some, some excellent content at those conferences. So thank you both for that as well. Um, and I'd like them to have a chance to introduce themselves. So Ian, if you would introduce yourself, please. Hello, everyone. My name is Ian Garner. And uh, I'm the National Director of, of Camp Relations for Markel Specialty Insurance. Um, in addition to my 20 years in this field and in this position, um, prior to that, I, I did have 26 years um, working in camps and as a camp director. And so um, I'm pleased to bring that experience and background um, to my Markel uh, education as well and hopefully I have the ability to see the perspective of camp from both sides of the equation. And Katie will you introduce yourself please? Yeah thanks John. Um, my name is Katie Johnson and I work with the Redwoods Group. Uh, we are also an insurance provider for camps and I've been with the Redwoods Group as a risk consultant for about three years now and prior to that I also, similar to Ian, was on the more of the camp side of things. I worked with the American Camp Association for eight years, and prior to that, I was um, worked my way up at camp from um, dish room all the way up to camp director. So, <laughs> very few jobs at camp I have not done at least once. Well, excellent, excellent. I think that um, additional, you know, above uh, your insurance experience, your your experience as camp directors really is critical in how you're connecting with uh, the camp leadership now, uh, because you've seen what their day looks like. You know what they're facing, and I'm sure it gives you a vernacular with them um, that's you know, hard, hard to replace. Uh, so let's jump right into it. Uh, Midsummer trainings are coming up, and it's an excellent opportunity for, for leadership to give a refresher to their staff uh, what advice do you have to a camp director who's going to look at those those chances now to refresh and, and bring people up to speed on safety? So I think, you know, one of the first things you can do is look back of, of what's happened in your first two weeks or four weeks or wherever you're at in your summer. Um, you know, most camps that I visit, they're doing things almost weekly, kind of connecting with their staff. But taking some time to look back, uh, you know, oftentimes with staff training, 
it's a bit of a, a fire hose experience for our staff. They're getting a lot of information in a very short amount of time. And so then you get to that first week of camp and you realize pretty quickly when you're the director and your leadership staff, uh, what didn't sink in for your staff and where they're missing things. And, and, you know, most of the camps that I go to, we see lots of coaching opportunities in those first couple weeks of camp. But taking time now that you're midway through to look back, where did incidents happen? Are there any trends? Checking in with your medical staff, are they seeing any trends? You know, doing more of an intentional look back of the first couple of weeks uh, to see what do we need to address? What's coming, what's rising to the top that needs to be discussed? Excellent. I would agree, agree completely with Katie. The, the amount of information that we expose these very young and frequently inexperienced staff members to in the beginning can be overwhelming. And I mean, I'm sure every camp director out there has experienced somebody who nowadays comes to them and says, you know what, this isn't what I expected mm -hmm. and it's not for me. Um, one of the things we are concerned about here is the, the new hires that you have to bring in either midsummer or after staff training has occurred and the training that they actually have to get mm -hmm. after camp has already started. Um, we've, we've had some situations develop where the staff member just didn't know any better because mm -hmm. they didn't have that opportunity to go through the regular staff training. Um, just making sure that a new hire is shadowing a very experienced staff member for a length of time uh, until you're confident they know what they're doing and all the different elements of camp that are unfamiliar to them. So am I reading between the lines to hear that that's a real gap for camps, that uh, they're kind of rushing people into uh, some supervisory roles without enough safety training? Well, we may have we may have two things here. Um, I think your supervisors, who are frequently former staff members elevated to a, a supervisory position, absolutely need specific training on how to be a supervisor. That's one topic. The other situation is camp starts, somebody gets sick, a staff member gets injured, or after staff training, somebody doesn't show up on our opening day. Um, I hear that not infrequently from camps. And so you either have to overhire in the beginning to make sure, or you have a late hire who hasn't had the opportunity to go through training. You need to make sure before they're put in charge of a group that they have an opportunity to get the training, um, usually by shadowing or being a part of a, another group for a week or two until they're comfortable in camp. And, and as, as that makeup training. And, and that's exactly right, Ian. And, and that's what we see as well is that, um, you know, it, putting my director hat on for a minute, there's that tussle between we need somebody in here because we've lost a staff for whatever reason. And so we're looking at ratios and we're looking at, at how do we fill this gap. And so it's, it's thinking about it. How can we safely fill this gap? So having somebody come in, even if they worked for us three years ago, that's great, but how do we know that they're up to speed on everything that we're doing now? So we're gonna have to move some people around a little bit until we can really make sure that that person is aware of what we're doing 
this year, these are our protocols, things might have changed from them in the past, or, you know, they might have worked an after school program and now they work summer camp with us. I mean, there's lots of scenarios that people come to us with a lot of great experience. Um, but do they know what you need them to do this summer at camp? And before we put them in charge of kids and leave them in that situation, we need to be confident. So I would agree with Ian that that is, is definitely a gap that we see um, as we're trying to keep up with the pace of camp of making sure we've got an adult with all the kids, but it's gotta be the right adult and giving our new staff or our late hires that opportunity to learn so that they can be successful when they step into that leadership role with kids. Excellent, excellent. And with that that supervisor training piece, Ian, are you also saying that those late hires after their training period need a little more observation um, to make sure that they're, they're, you know, dotting their I's and crossing their T's? That that sounds prudent. Just just making sure you don't put them into a situation where they don't know what to do. They don't know the policies. They don't know the procedures. They don't know the safety factors for that activity. That they've they've had the appropriate training, and putting on the insurance hat for a second. Please make sure that the training is documented for every mm -hmm. single staff member. Excellent advice. Um, this is a, another area that that makes can make an, a simple situation much worse is if there's no documentation, then there's no evidence that that training ever occurred and makes it an easy target for attorneys who are trying to sue the camp. So it's trust, but verify and document. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, so that's, a, that's a kind of gap to be aware of. Um, what other things are, are falling through the cracks, maybe? Falling through the cracks. So we, um, we thought that we, we had done a good job of selection. We thought we did a good job of training. Um, maybe you've seen this as a trend because I know you both do camp visits. Um, outside of that ghosting thing where staff are not showing up <laughs> after they've signed their contract and they need to be replaced, what else might be falling through the cracks? You know, I think one of the pieces that probably both Ian and I see is, is that supervision piece, the supervision of campers and what that looks like all the time. And, you know, I, I often have conversations with camp directors about, you know, we can't do the, the message that I hear a lot is, well, we can't do 100% supervision. And we're not always asking you to do 100% supervision, but how are you managing supervision so that your campers are supervised? And so, you know, almost everything that we see at camp it somehow comes back to that supervision issue. And so how we work with our staff on what is the supervision expectation when you're in the cabin versus rest hour versus on a hike versus when you're at a program activity area and the arts and crafts director or somebody else is leading the activity. Uh, you know, the, when we see gaps, it often comes down to the supervision piece and where were the staff and how could they have prevented something from happening we, when we see injuries and incidents at camp. And so that would be something that I would just suggest that, that directors consistently keep on their radar and have a lot of discussions around of how are we supervising? Is it getting the results that we need? Are we doing it effectively? And if not, what do we need to look at changing? How do we need to adapt or retrain if we need to? 
I, I agree. And I, I think I, that I, I that's in that, that training video that a lot of camps use of who will care when I'm not there. Uh, the storyline is that, um, you know, the, the counselor was away from the group of children when that one child fell into uh, the, the fast moving water. Uh, but Ian, I, I, I cut you off a little bit. Oh, that's quite all right. I, I was completely agreeing with, with Katie. Um, the, the one thing that keeps me up at night, both from the insurance perspective, because I, I see it when it goes wrong, is when there's unsupervised children. Um, that's where negligence is so easily proved against the camp or the staff mm -hmm. member. When something goes wrong, the, first, the very first question that parents ask and that attorneys ask is when this situation occurred, where was the counselor? And if the counselor's not pretty much in immediate proximity, that leaves a huge gap and hole and opportunity for the attorney to prove that the camp was negligent and failed to provide the care that a reasonable and prudent person would have done in exactly the same circumstances. And I can't give you a firm statistic, but it's in the very high 90s that mm -hmm. that's how most liability cases are lost by camps is in the supervision category. Um, the counselor was absent for a period of time mm -hmm. and that allowed something to occur that they say would not have happened had proper supervision been in place. Um, in, when I do a presentation, I frequently list in a general sense Markel's top five categories of frequency of claims and all five are absolutely related to lack of supervision. What, what things make that list a top five? Uh, in our categories, horseplay and fooling around, mm -hmm. lips, trips, and falls when the counselor was not present is, is at the top of the list in frequency, not so much severity, but in frequency in athletics and sports, and the category that surprises many is the abuse category, okay? Abuse cannot occur if we have proper supervision taking place. And it's generally, Katie, and you see that, and again, this is anecdotal, but the abuse I'm referring to here is not adult to child abuse, mm -hmm. it's camper to camper abuse, bullying. Yeah. And it can be physical, sexual, or psychological, we're seeing, mm -hmm more and more claims in this category. Yeah. And I know this was brought up at, at the insurance roundtable at the, the ACA National Conference as a strong situation for many companies. Um, the bullying and the abuse um, can't occur if we have good supervision. Okay, and, what and you I, I mean, I would just add on to that is, it, that is one of those conversations that as summer goes on and our staff get more and more comfortable with their roles and everything, that's when we start to see a little bit of complacency sink in of I've done this, I've gone to the dining hall, I know how to get to the pool. Um, our staff are starting to relax into our, their roles. And so they start to relax out of, well, I don't need to be in the dining or in the cabin during all of rest hour. I can go grab a shower. I trust my cabin. They're fine. And that's when we see things happen and agree 100% with what Ian was saying is that we're seeing more and more um, claims come in regarding that peer-to-peer -peer abuse. It's continuing to increase and 
is exactly right. I mean, from my putting my parent hat on for a minute, that is the first question I would ask is, well, if, if this happened to my child, where were the staff? Um, and where were the counselors and, and what training did they get to help prevent this? And so it, to me, that's one of those conversations that we need to continue to have. And then it's also a little bit of a conversation and it's a great opportunity with supervisory staff of how are we continuing to coach them on holding our frontline staff accountable? Um, because that's one of the hard parts when we have young supervisors that are 21 or so to be able to call out somebody who might be one of their good friends who's 19 of, hey, you know, you're, you're not really supervising this cabin the way we need you to. So how are we using some of this midsummer training to also empower our supervisory level staff to hold our staff accountable? And it, it all trickles down to that supervision piece of, of we all, are we all supervising each other? Are we all holding each other accountable? Excellent. Excellent. So um, in your in your camp tours, are you seeing excellent examples of vigilance? Are you seeing uh, things that, um, you know, not keep you up at night, but make you <laughs> get to sleep easier? Uh, Ian, have you seen anything? Um, yeah, I mean, when, <laughs> when Katie and I take a tour of a camp, and the staff, I'm walking around with the camp director, obviously, everything looks great and everybody's and everybody's doing their job which which kind of leads me to if you ask me what simple step step could a camp take to improve safety my my strongest reply is mbwa and that stands for management by walking around i i just can't emphasize from my perspective strong enough that camp directors, assistant directors, unit leaders need to be out in camp and visible to their staff and see what's going on. Um, I know as summer goes on and they feel more comfortable, as, as Katie mentioned, the complacency can certainly set in, but nothing gets the staff more on their toes than knowing that the director's walking around or something, one of the unit leaders is there. Um, they have to know that you're observing them and that that just changes the entire framework of, of what's happening in camp. Um, it's, it's the best recommendation I, I can make at this point for a simple solution um, is get out of the office and mm -hmm. see what's going on in the camp on a regular basis. Um, at my camp we actually had scheduled directors to circulate the entire camp on the hour and our goal was to really catch the, the staff doing something right not looking for negativity but catching them doing something right and then acknowledging them at snack time for doing a great job Excellent. absolutely and, and i would add to that too for the camps that are maybe don't have the capacity to be doing that every hour is look at how you can do that different times of the day, because I would agree that getting out there and seeing firsthand the experiences that everybody's having, that, that is so, so helpful. And that goes to that accountability piece. And then, you know, if, if you do it at three o'clock one day, do a 6 a.m. round another day, or have somebody else do a 10 o'clock round. So you're changing up the pattern, you're changing up how you're seeing things and the different activities. 
uh, and making sure that you're keeping, you know, those those key areas that you hear Ian and I say all the time, you know, the bathrooms and the locker rooms and the cabin spaces, that's where we see so many different things happen. So at the shower houses, all those places, how do we how do we keep those spaces safe? So getting our leadership staff and our unit leaders in and out of those spaces especially is so helpful. So I'm, I'm always concerned about the bathing suit spaces too, um, the pool and the changing areas and things like that. Um, what, what other evidence of vigilance have you seen when you've done your camp visits? You know, I, um, I, I'm going to give a shout out to um, Ligonier Camp and Conference Center in Pennsylvania at this point in time. I happen to be there, and, and this wasn't this summer, this was last summer. I happened to be there observing them, um, and they had a group out on a lake, and they were, uh, they had a jet ski with a spotter on it, and they were towing a, a tube. Um, with a camper on it and they had gone around a corner and the camper fell off the tube. And one of the most amazing things that I saw is from, so I'm standing on the shoreline with the aquatics director um, and he could tell me step-by-step step what his staff were gonna do out there. And it was so perfect and so spot on. I'll never forget that moment that they had trained and rehearsed so often that they knew the steps of that, you know, when this happens, this is how we respond to it. And it was just so great. And, and you know, the camper got back up and everybody was great. Uh, so that's when I see things at camp like that, it makes me know that, you know, this wasn't just on the day of when, when Ian and I are walking around and everything's just not perfect that day, but they really have practiced their emergency procedures or when I talk to staff and I say, so, you know, if the bell or this alarm started going off right now, what would we do? So that's some of the things that, that I'm, you know, when I go to a camp and I have staff that can tell me very easily what we do in the event of an emergency, that gives me some of those signs that, hey, this program isn't just doing this the day of, this is actually how they're living into it every day. Good example. Yeah, I think that's terrific. Um, that, that led me to, to also just throw out that um, it, it's just absolutely critical if you have a specialized activity in mm -hmm. camp, then absolutely you have to have a qualified, certified, and trained specialist conducting that activity. Um, mm -hmm. There's been some, some very horrendous situations where, well, this specialist sick today, but Billy kind of knows that activity will let him run it. That you just can't do it. If it's a specialized activity that requires specialized equipment or training, then you must have a certified specialist present conducting that activity at all times. Particularly the one that worries me the most is always aquatics. Right. Because um, if, if something goes wrong at aquatics, it's it's severe generally um and so you just you just can't put kids at risk by not having certified trained and that they've demonstrated that training just like aca requires um mm -hmm. in that unique situation that they, they know what to do I, that that camp sounded like they had a great program it, it was amazing it was fantastic and and i think that circles back to what we were talking about earlier ian too in that you know 
if we have a lifeguard who gets sick, sometimes we'll see camps, you know, pull another staff person who's a counselor who happens to have their lifeguarding certification or pull somebody who has experience. Uh, but we still need to do those steps around the skills verification. So just because somebody has their lifeguarding doesn't mean that they're prepared to work on our lakefront. It's how do we know and get them prepared and, you know, with similar to that late hire conversation we had a few minutes ago, um, it's making sure they're going to be able to be successful and they know your policies and procedures. But yeah, yeah we, if we're pulling staff and shifting them around, we need to make sure that we've given them the tools to be successful and they know our expectations. Agreed. So, so peer to peer um, incidents are, are on the rise. Are there any other trends? Is there anything that came out of the insurance roundtable? Anything in that recent uh, camp line that you'd like to uh, let people know about as these are emerging issues? Um, let me just touch on one thing, and, and Katie, see if you've noticed this. Mm -hmm. um, I frequently hear how challenging it is nowadays to hire staff. That, that's always been a challenge. And consequently, staffs, either I'm getting older, which is true, mm -hmm but they're looking much, much younger. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a concern from Markel that it's important that you do not have staff members supervising a group where they're too close in age mm -hmm. um, or, or junior counselors, underage counselors mm -hmm. being left alone. There's mm -hmm. been several situations. One occurred right here in Virginia that it's of public knowledge where junior counselors were left alone in the evening, allowing senior staff counselors to have a break. Well, the junior mm -hmm. counselors, they don't always exercise the correct judgment. They just don't have the experience yet. They organized a fight club within the cabin, um, a big issue out here. Um, had another fairly sizable situation where junior counselors were left or assistant counselors were left mm -hmm. in charge of a group and administered inappropriate discipline to a group mm -hmm. because the group wasn't listening to them. There was too close an age situation. Right. And so they, they resulted to, you know, corporal punishment, which was uh, totally unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of those areas, too, that that we talk about a lot is how we're giving power or how we're giving situations to our older campers or our junior counselors or CITs and or LITs and, and making sure that that is still a supervised space. So especially if you have designated them as counselors um, or CITs, understanding if they're paid staff or they're volunteers or they're paying to be there, there's a lot of nuances to that. Um, but, you know, the peer-to-peer -peer abuse that we see, it definitely is coming from older kids to younger kids, and then it's also happening between the same age group, too. But definitely looking at, um, you know, the, how we're allowing our LITs or CITs or junior counselors to supervise in camp and whether, whether they're ready for that, to Ian's point. So would you say that some of that abuse is, um, you know, this junior staff to participant versus participant to participant? Even, even the junior staff are, are unclear on what the best choice to make 
conversationally or behaviorally uh, with these participants? Can be. Yeah. It, it's, that's very individualistic and depending mm -hmm. on whether or not some, some camps do not require um, LITs or CITs to go through, they don't go through staff training because technically they're still campers. And mm -hmm. so they should never be in charge of a group unless there's another adult counselor or staff member present. You know, maybe they're leading a game or given the opportunity to lead a game, but never all on their own. Um, they, they're just not ready to make some of those mature decisions. Mm -hmm. And certainly probably don't have the training necessary to react if something does happen. Right. Right. And again, that goes back to our earlier point is um, that's an easy area to poke a hole into. If something happens during that time, again, the question goes back to where were the staff who were designated to protect my kids during this time? <clears throat> Excellent, excellent. Um, so Ian, you've spoken at conferences at staying in camp and staying out of the courtroom. What are your, your takeaways for your audience when you're giving that talk? Supervise, supervise, <laughs> supervise. Um, that, that tends to be just really my, my key focus. In, as I mentioned earlier, in, when I look at frequency of claims, that those categories of horseplay and fooling around mm -hmm. and abuse, um, they're highly preventable with proper supervision. And, mm -hmm. and that's, that's really where it comes down to um, for us is just emphasizing that you've, you've got to provide the supervision um, and you're, you're going to be held negligent um, mm -hmm. if indeed it, it's not present. And, and I would add to that too, that it's the supervision and holding people accountable and then following the policies and protocols that you have in place. Uh, the amount of aquatics incidences, for example, that we have responded to in which they have swim testing in place, for example, but it didn't happen that week with that mm. group of campers because of whatever reason. Um, or it was a returning camper and we didn't feel like we needed to do that. So we have, you know, and that's one of those things that I always talk about with, with when I'm talking with directors is we have all this information in our head and sometimes it's helping to connect the dots with our staff of, you know, we do swim tests every week on a regular basis for a reason. Um, and, and it's to keep everybody safe. And so we're do, we have all these policies and protocols in place for a reason, uh, and it's to keep people safe. And so the minute we go off script and start not following them, again, if something happens, it, our policy was that we do swim tests, and I'm using that as an example, but our policy is that this is our bathroom supervision time, or our policy is that um, you know, this is the introduction we do with riders on our horses. So we have those in place. And the minute our staff start going off script, that becomes an issue when something happens. And so that all again trickles down to the, how are we holding them accountable? How are we getting out and walking around like Ian suggested uh, to make sure that everything that's written down in the book is operationally happening yeah. in our program and the way we want it to. So are you mainly seeing this variance 
in the safety plan uh, with that, that same complacence, comfort with my job, middle of the summer relaxation thing? Is, are, they, are they related? I, yeah, I, I think that's it, right? The nail right on the head, John. Um, as summer goes along and both campers and staff get more and more comfortable, it's really easy to go to an activity and say, oh, we did this the other day. We, I don't have to go through the orientation, or I, I don't have to review the safety rules. But with <laughs> children, it's absolutely critical that you repeat, repeat, repeat. And mm -hmm. every single time they go to an activity, absolutely, safety orientation, the rules and procedures have to be reviewed with the group. Because the first thing the lawyer is going to say, okay, mm -hmm. when, some, when Billy got hurt is, well, when did you review the rules? Well, we did it a couple weeks ago. Well, that's not going to work with children. As, as we all know, children, it goes in one ear and out <laughs> the other, and you have to say it a million times. And yeah. so it, the complacency is the fact that every camp director deals with during the summer. Mm -hmm. um, so changing the schedule around, um, changing activities, having some special events, all those kind mm -hmm. of things help break the routine where complacency builds in, and then mm -hmm. continuing, continuing training and education. Um, the advent of things like EOT, which is um, experts online mm -hmm. training, where you could have the staff say, hey, this week's staff, during right. your free time, I want you to go do 15 minutes and review transportation safety yes. or archery, you know, just, just something to re-stimulate that I think is really helpful. Um, Katie, I think you all, as well as Markel, we do webinars. Exactly. Those can be, those can be streamed um, mm -hmm. by some of the camp experts across the country that frequently at no charge at all, just as a review. They could be right. using that at a staff, at a summer staff meeting for, for 20 minutes. Yeah. Something like that. I think this, this age of uh, staff really respond to online learning as well. I think that that's right in their, their wheelhouse. Um, what do you think about using either incident reports from earlier in the summer or sort of the, the scary current events pieces? Um, unfortunately, there always seems to be a tragedy at, at some youth serving program somewhere. Um, do you think it's too heavy handed to share that with staff or is that, you know, just what they need sometimes to, to know that, uh, you know, such, such critical safety issues haven't been met and it's it's been a tragedy you know i think that one is the answer unfortunately is it depends john that's one of those things that certainly if something has happened in your area and headlines are going to be hitting the news in your area that is definitely something you'd want to prep your staff on and, and have a conversation about what you know is the facts this is what we do at our program to help prevent something like that from happening and reiterate that and or you know, if a parent asks you, this is what we're going to say as to how we prevent that from happening in our programming, you know, and then other things that are happening more globally, but maybe not right in your area as a camp. I think that it's really dependent on what it is and whether or not that's a potential risk for your program and how it ties in and, and how your staff can hear that. So it, it kind of goes down to what are your goals and what are you hoping they'll learn from this? Um, you know, just scaring them for the sake of scaring them, you know, that's, is that the most effective training tool? 
not always, but if it can help us get to an end point and we can do it in a way that is going to be supportive of them, then I think there's opportunity there with, with what's going on in the news for sure. Yeah. I, I agree with exactly what, what Katie's saying. Um, the goal is not to scare them straight, but maybe sometimes to share a lesson learned the hard way by another camp mm -hmm. so that it doesn't happen at our camp. And, and that's something that I know both Katie and I use in, in our presentations. We use past claims to show what can happen when policies and procedures mm -hmm. aren't followed or when supervision doesn't take place. And, um, you know, the lesson learned from that so that it doesn't happen in the future. So speaking of claims, um, a lot of this is about uh, staff training, but out of curiosity, are you seeing a rise in claims due to severe weather or fires or, or things like that? Is there, is there any advice? For, um, yeah, definitely. Yes. Fires are a big issue. Um, uh, it is a big issue. Um, is, there, is there any advice you would give to camp directors with regard uh, to those um, uh, threats? I, I, I don't think we have the time to really get into that in any kind of worthwhile detail today. Um, there's an awful lot of information being published by many insurance companies mm -hmm. relative to fires, particularly, you know, the Western camps that have had such, right. such terrible situations going on. Um, the, the one thing that I, I would make sure is that all camps have a planned and practiced evacuation plan just in case. Um, that could take a bad situation and turn it into tragedy very quickly. There has to be a really good, strong, well-practiced evacuation plan for, for camps who are located in high fire areas, absolutely. And for California, earthquakes. Right. <laughs> right. And um, I, that's something that I often ask about, do you have an evacuation plan? And can you tell me about that when I'm visiting on site? And what I feel is missing often is that key piece that Ian just said is that the rehearsal piece is have we really walked through what this looks like? Um, are our staff really clear on, on what to do? And so that would be a piece that if, if you're coming up to midsummer training and you have, haven't rehearsed some of any of your emergency protocols, this is a great time to do it, is take some time to do that, to talk through and get to that rehearsal piece if you can. Excellent. I would there, also There's been some really great recent sessions at ACA conferences mm -hmm. where it's been uh, information shared by those who've been through that experience mm -hmm. firsthand that is so enlightening to so many camp directors. I know SLC had a great session mm -hmm. um, of camp directors sharing that experience and other camp directors going, wow, I never thought of that. And um, I, I can't emphasize that is terrific training in the off season for um, the administrative staffs. The other piece I would add to this conversation too is, um, and you hear this a lot and a lot of the ACA pieces is the more you can partner with your local emergency services for any of this, the better. And so get them out there, have them come on site, uh, you know, help them look around to help them have them help you create that plan. If you need some help with that, 
Um, but they are so critical if you have a crisis of any type being able to call them, they, they're familiar with their site, they know where the entrance is, they know how to get there, they know where the director's cabin is. Those relationships with your local emergency services are so crucial. Um, so, you know, the next time that you can invite them out, give them a tour, let them see what's going on um, and help build that relationship. And I've, I've heard that they're happy to hear what your emergency plan is and mm -hmm. then offer, you know, a slight tweak to it if it needs it, et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Great that's idea. excellent advice. Yeah. So you've, you've both had a lifelong commitment to camp and camp safety. Is there, are there any other insights that you'd want to share with um, <laughs> camp directors? Uh, uh. <laughs> How much time do you have, John? Well, you know, you, you, you say that we should have a conversation about um, you know, severe weather and fire preparedness, maybe we'll have to have a separate conversation on that. Um, but, you know, given, given an opportunity to, to say to them, don't forget this, uh, what, would, what would you suggest? I would say train, 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 supervise, supervise, supervise are, are, are two key things that, that just could and probably will prevent something happening somewhere, sometime, someday. Um, it, it, it's just ongoing. Um, and I think most experienced camp directors recognize this. I, I'm not sure we've said anything that they don't really know, already know, um, if they've been in the business for a while. Um, just the one thing I see is that the, the young age that staff are being hired in my opinion, staff hired today at age 18, 19, 20, don't have quite the life experience that I think 18, 19, 20 year olds had 20 years ago. We're familiar with the helicopter parent and mm -hmm. this whole age that, that's, that's come through for the past so many years. Um, I, I think our, our staff are younger mentally than, than they were 20 years ago. That's just a personal opinion on mm -hmm. my part. And so the training and giving them as much experience as possible is, is critical. Mm -hmm. and, and I would add to that as well that, you know, sometimes when, when I go on site and probably when Ian goes on site, and we're suggesting additional things, you know, you can see that look on the camp director's face of, okay, I, I have a lot on my plate right now and, and that's one more. And what I would say is that also remember, you know, we are doing this because, especially from my perspective and Ann's perspective, we love camp and we really do care about camp and the quality of the camp experience. That is core to the work that I do. And we also get it. We get that you are running on six hours of sleep every night. And we get that you're being pulled in 50 different directions. And we understand that you go out and have every great intention of walking all the way through camp. And you get about 10 feet before you get 50 questions and never get much further. And so we understand that. Um, but things are changing. And so how we supervised 20 years ago is different than how we have to supervise now. Um, because the, the external climate, when it comes to litigation and those types of things have changed too. So 
just like how we lifeguarded 20 years ago is very different from how we lifeguard now. We have to continue to evolve and evaluate how we do things in camp. And so that's, you know, one of the things and the suggestions I would say is continue to think about and evaluate, are we doing it the best way for right now? It might be different than 10 years ago, or I might get alumni pushback if I decide to change that a little bit. And we understand that. But, you know, when we're making those suggestions, it's really to kind of help push that evolution from things that we're seeing on the claim side of things, the legal side of things. And, and it's really to help us all continue on that path of a quality camp programming. Yeah, well, I think that, yeah, that's such an important point because uh, we can't, you know, fall back into this same old, same old, if our hiring is changing because people are, you know, not keeping their commitment or they're indeed, um, you know, today's 20 year old acts like yesterday's 17 year old, et cetera. Um, you know, those have real ramifications for safety and we really need to, uh, you know, up the frequency of safety trainings and the redundancy of the information perhaps if we're dealing with those two things, those midsummer hires, the midsummer complacency, et cetera. Well, um, I want to thank you both very much. Uh, you've given us such excellent information. Um, you know, I guess the key is supervision, supervision, supervision. But, um, Ian, like you said, documenting that training for not only the, uh, the people who did it pre-camp, but especially the ones going mid-summer is so important. Um, really amping up the training we do on peer-to-peer -peer abuse issues and curtailing those opportunities for uh, kids to go unsupervised or to be with the younger uh, staff members um, and never letting those, those younger staff members have it on their own, uh, have, have the, uh, the full group on their own. Um, that management by walking around is such a critical issue. Um, and really paying attention to, is, is there a shift in the judgment of current staff and especially our junior staff? Uh, being prepared for you know, them to make decisions based on that more immature judgment style. Uh, I think this has been excellent. I know our people may wanna stay in touch with you. What is a good way for them to connect with you, Ian? Um, you can reach Markel at campinsurance.com. Um, you can reach me, just my name. It's ian.garner at Markel for an email. Um, so um, I'm happy to speak to anyone, Markel client or not. If I can ever be of help, happy to do it. Excellent, excellent. And Katie, how can people stay in touch with you? Um, you know, ditto on that. Happy to talk with anyone at any point in time. And uh, my email address is kjohnson at redwoodsgroup.com and then redwoodsgroup.com is, is for our entire company email or website address too. So reach out anytime. And, you know, a lot of times Ian and I just talk to each other and say, hey, what are you yep. seeing on this? So we're a resource for one another as well. Excellent. And you're two of my favorite resources. So thank you so much for your time <laughs> oh, today. Oh, I, am, I am easy to reach at jbeitner, B-E-I-T-N-E-R, at acacamps.org if anyone's got any questions with regard to um, education uh, provided by ACA. 
You can follow us at ACA Camps on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Campwire is available on both Spotify and iTunes. Again, thank you both for your amazing support through the years of PD efforts for ACA and for your company's uh, support of all things ACA. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks, John. Thank you Thanks, both. Katie. Thank you.